Welcome to the manor. It's the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor. Me, Metal and Mayhem. Oh, sorry. The Twin Terrors Macabre Manor of Me, Metal and Mayhem. <laughs> is that your Norwegian accent? Yes, it is. It is me doing a Norwegian because that's as close as I can get to Cleese doing a British, French, German. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And if we're starting the episode now, instead of just jacking around, I'm James. <laughs> I'm Jody. <laughs> we want to welcome you to Finland, Finland, Finland. Wait, no, no. Your treetop's so tall. <laughs> I almost went to the age of Aquarius. You twinkle above us. <laughs> we twinkle below. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Not as funny as even Monty Python's fourth series, but still, it's okay. <laughs> all right. Welcome back to the Macabre Manor. And, <laughs> yeah, and all that. <laughs> and, and obviously, Monty Python, we're, we're starting our series four arc. Woo. Yes. Arc, arc, arc. Nah, bad dog. Oof. <laughs> uh, I, I, my mind just went blank because I had like three things to say. One of them was horribly wrong. <laughs> Another was borderline. The other was fine. I couldn't decide which to say. Ah, uh, okay. The word bone was only in two of them. So I'll let you figure out where. Uh-huh. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, series four. Yay! Not the 50th anniversary, because that's not for another year and a no, half. Oh, yeah. We, we wanted to do this so we would be done and could move on to the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. So, only six episodes of episodes. <laughs> yes. So we're going to get to those. I think we're going to do those last because Jody and I were talking and we're like, okay, so we got these things and this thing and those things. I'm like, well, let's do those things together and uh-huh. I'll do this first. Yeah. <laughs> that works. But before I start, are you having a drink? I, I am, and I, I looked, and the only beer I have that was British was my uh, Trooper beer, and I think we're saving that for something specific. So um, I'm, I'm having um, some rum. <laughs> you rum bugger. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm having some uh, Sailor Jerry. Ooh, that's a spiced rum, right? Oh, yeah. Nice. That's kind of rum. Nice. White or dark? Dark. That's the dark spice is the yeah. bestest. Yes. Sailor Jerry. I, oh yeah, yeah. Now I, I it was it was a toss up between Sailor Jerry or uh Captain Morgan Parrot Bay Coconut Rum. Which also isn't bad. Yeah, yeah. I, that was actually the first rum I ever tried, so um but I I don't know. I just kind of thought I'd go with the dark rum. Cool. I know uh Parrot Bay Coconut or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first rooms I had. I remember you were gone for the summer. So Greg and I went to Indianapolis to, to go to music store. I forget exactly why we went. We just, we had some, nothing to do. And we thought, fuck it, let's go to Indy. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I don't know if we went to comic book stores or music stores or both or whatever. Um, but I, I had a bottle of that from something. So on the way back from Indy to Terre Haute, we were drinking it on the interstate. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, note to our listeners we do not recommend you do this <laughs> nor do we condone no 
<laughs> so I was actually about to say, how stupid was I at 21? <laughs> I won't answer that. I'm assuming something like, even more stupid than you are now, and that's a pretty stupid hurdle. <laughs> <laughs> You've wised up since, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's time for you to wise up. <laughs> yeah, I have, but yeah, I would never yeah. do that again. Uh, and, and to be fair, there's only like half a bottle and it took us all the way from Indy to Terre Haute. And I'd probably let Greg have more. At most, we split it. So a quarter of a bottle over the course of an hour and a half. I don't know. It's still yeah, stupid. Probably. Yeah, but. Could have been worse. <laughs> oh, uh hour and a half. So you didn't take I-70? We did, but that included sort of getting to the interstate from where we were. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. But that's 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 more information than our listeners care about, which is probably everything we've mentioned so far. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to continue that by saying I'm drinking uh, one of my local liquor stores nearby the pub where I go to a lot. Uh, they, they always have a little clearance rack, and I bought this bottle of the breweries, um, which is spelled B-R-U-E-R-Y. Fancy, oh, Duchess, we're in a brewery, <laughs> not just a brewery. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they had this on sale because it's not in production so it's a bit old but it's 12 and a half percent it's called white oak and it's 50 percent wheat wine and 50 percent ale aged in bourbon barrel it's good I've, I've had a few sips already it's it's nice deep thick uh, you know being 20 12 and a half percent even if it's a few years old it's still it's not bad i'm enjoying it cool cool nice and if I drink the whole damn bomber of it during one episode, woof. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right, so the outline for Series 4, Monty Python, probably three episodes. Yep. This time. Uh, this will be the longest, probably, because it's got going to have all the background of the Pythons' childhoods. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because we did it backwards. Series 1 was right before, like, as they formed... Series two was uh, post-university. <laughs> mm-hmm. Series three was university. Series four will be childhood because we're going backwards in time because I think they would find that humorous. Yes. If they ever listen to this, which I bet they have not. Probably not. That's okay. Well, I know Graham Chapman has not. <laughs> Actually, out of all of them, I would say he and Terry Jones have the biggest probability. They, they've got eternity. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's listen. <laughs> Up there having a pipe and some gin because, you know. Yeah. Once you're up there, you can drink as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And yeah, in episode two will be some intro into series four, like what was happening between series three and four and a few series four notes. And then series uh, episode three for ours will be about their six episodes. Cool. Which could last a while, but I actually don't have a ton of notes. And we'll talk about that when we get there. Sweet. No. Python. Python. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm ready if you are, my good man. I I am ready. So again, most of these come from their autobiographies because the biography of Python, some of their, uh, that you'll see written by others, do have some of their childhoods, Mm -hmm. things as memories and what's not. Uh, But their autobiographies are hilarious. And that's where I pulled most of their things from their births and childhood. So I'm going to start with Graham Chapman, since Jody mentioned him first. And and, and to be honest, he, he's the first one I did notes on. <laughs> ah, okay. 
You know, um, as I go through these, I, I thought about ranking their autobiographies, but they're all hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Palin and Jones didn't have one, but the other four, Chapman, Cleese, Idol, and the other Terry, of course, do. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's there, there's something, though, about Graham's that was just so bizarrely hilarious that I would probably pick it as my favorite. That sounds because I, I have not read any of these but i would it, it would make sense that his would be the one that you would describe as bizarre <laughs> in, in a good way yeah oh it's hilarious i love it yeah and you know i actually don't have this in my notes uh, i got it someplace but i'm fairly certain his is actually called a liar's biography or liar's autobiography it's cool also funny uh anyway graham chapman born january 8th 1941. Hmm. Super, super close to Jimmy Page's birthday. Uh-huh. But we have actually an episode out there someplace, one of the Deep Purple episodes, I think, where I give a bunch of dates of births to show how close Zeppelin, Python, Deep Purple, and Black Sabbath were to each other. <laughs> <laughs> so I've already done it. Go listen. Uh, but, of course, sadly, Graham did pass away the first of the pythons to do so in october on the 4th in 1989 yes but he was born in lecastier in the east midlands but he was raised in milton mowbray which is also the east midlands cool his father was a policeman so uh -huh. when you see him writing skits about policemen he actually does have some background and knows how to make it funny yeah perhaps the most interesting thing I found in this book, um, as far as the childhood goes, was that he saw body parts in a tree as a child because there was an airplane accident with the Polish airmen that, that were training above Britain. And there's an accident and, uh, yeah, crashed in his area. And he actually saw bits of a Polish man in a tree. How did he know he was Polish? Newspaper reports. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and those are actually out there. I, I found those. and it, it, Now, whether he saw it or not, I don't know. He says he did, and the reports are in actual newspapers. Okay, cool. Well, you know, not for the Polish guy or his family. Oh, no, but, I mean, you know, you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> and I'll just move on from that morose little bit and say his, <laughs> uh, he, he started smoking when he was 15 and drinking soon after. Sounds about right. Yep, as, Sounds like a lot of people we know. <laughs> quite a few of them, really. <laughs> His uh, older brother was an MD. He, he, of course, we've talked about, became an MD as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he actually was a doctor, yeah. yeah. And he very much enjoyed drama when he was younger. Mm -hmm. Not causing it. Well, it can be two things. <laughs> but that that's really all I have on Graham. Okay, cool. The next one is John Cleese. Yay! <laughs> uh, you know, I I don't know. John's was a really good bug. They're all good. I'm, I'm not. I'm not even going to say which one was better because I love them all. Interestingly enough, uh, Terry Gilliams was probably the driest, but but I had more information. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Okay. But John Cleese. I should move on. Yes. John was born October 27th, 1939, near Western 
<clears throat> Weston Supermare. Weston slash or not slash dash super dash mare. M A R E. M A R E. Yep. Okay. Like, like a female horse. Yep. Just like that. Okay. And like, I was, uh, I was trying to think of some joke to make about the name and I, I just really cannot come up with one. <laughs> don't try because I say thee nay. <laughs> oh no not i say thee nay <laughs> oh <laughs> sorry thor <laughs> no but i, I love that name because it's quintessentially english <laughs> yes it actually is yeah well, and the germans bombed that town in august 14 1940 and I, well i'm going to give some quotes he has a hilarious take on this in his autobiography. And for this one, you just have to go read it because it's too long to just people get tired of me quoting too much. Go read this one. I recommend it. Okay. I mean, not um, now. Listen, finish our episode first. Then, then go read it. But, but, but now I'm curious. <laughs> you can you can borrow it. You can borrow the autobiography. <laughs> you type bastard. If you want to buy it, you can borrow it from me. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, have to then I gotta it. give it back. Why don't you, know, you just show me the quote next time I'm up there? I'll show you something. All right, it's called. I don't want to see that. Put that away. <laughs> it's one of these and one of these and <laughs> and a box of naked lady tees. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll take the box of naked lady tees. How about that? <laughs> Pity the fool who messes with naked lady tee. <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Good, otherwise I have to pity you, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on with Cleese. <laughs> uh-huh. And this is why our episodes take three times longer than we plan. <laughs> he did move eight times within eight years as a young man, which contributed to his being what he himself called a sissy. He said he wasn't a very brave boy. He calls himself a sissy because of his dad's coddling and outgrowing his strength very quickly because he was six foot by age 12 and was teased for this. And, yeah. And when you're, when you're that much bigger than everybody else, you can't really retaliate without, you know, th- then you're the bad guy because, because you're bigger and you should know better. Well, that and plus he he but hadn't grown into it yet. He's very gangly and clumsy and everything. So all that too, yeah. Oh, and as a reference to a former episode, I'm going to liken it to Douglas Adams, where teachers would say "meet under Adams" because he also was quite tall at a young age. Mm, yeah, but in his biography, Cleese does give a very nice quote about cowards by ambrose beers okay yeah whom we have talked about significantly on this podcast which is why i wanted to include it yeah otherwise i probably wouldn't have but it's nice and uh i'm gonna read the whole paragraph it's it's short it says the most perceptive definition of a coward is ambrose beers's one who in a perilous emergency thinks with his legs yeah goes on to say this trait seems to me such a wise response to danger that it explains why generals want cowards dead if they weren't the concept of just plain running away would catch on so fast that the top brass would be out of a job overnight 
or at least would have to do some fighting themselves, which is not a part of their job description. That's a good point. And before I get into the politics of that, because I both respect and love our people in the military, but also find the need for it to be horrible because humans are trash. <laughs> yes. So I respect I respect them to hell, just wish we didn't eat them. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'll I'll move on, unless you had something for that. Nope. His second memory is about a rabbit. A rabbit? A rabbit. Rabbit. Okay. He's talking about how his second memory, it must come after the first, because in it I'm now standing up, because before that <laughs> he talked about younger, I was bitten by a rabbit. Or rather, I was nibbled by a rabbit, but because I was such a weedy, namby-pamby little pansy, I reacted as though I lost a limb. <laughs> it was the sheer unfairness of it all that upset me so. One minute, I was saying, Hello, Mr. Bunny, and smiling at its sweet little face and funny floppy ears. The next, the fucker savaged me. <laughs> it, it, it seemed so gratuitous. What, I asked myself, had I done to the rabbit to deserve that psychotic response? That's funny. It is in his old book is like that. It is it's so good. That's funny. Uh, the Python's autobiography is informative and hilarious. <laughs> awesome. All right. And just some basic notes. His mom had such horrible anxiety, needed her way all the time. She could become a bit violent and this tainted his relationships for a very long time. Okay. Which you can kind of hear about in the previous episodes where we go into the future. Yes. Deja vu. How what? Deja vu. How what? The insecurity in his mother <laughs> may have led to his humor, including his dark sense of humor that he did get from his mom due to her anxiety and dark outlook on life. His that father. Yeah, it sure does. His father was a much kinder person, and he talks in his autobiography about how his dad was more there for him. Uh, but his dad actually had quite an interesting time as a young man because his father fought in World War One. Okay. And I mentioned whether anybody, you know, Jody or our eight listeners remember this. Uh, yeah, we're up to eight now. Cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, Jody had actually talked about this in the uh, cheese sketch. He goes, please, cheese. <laughs> Yeah, was doing a funny rhyming thing. Uh, his dad fought in World War One, and during this time, he changed their family name from Cheese to Please. Their family name actually was Cheese. I just I can't imagine how many generations of cheeses there were <laughs> before somebody finally said, "You know, <laughs> maybe we should not be named after food." Well, it starts with the Stilton Blue, you see. Yeah. <laughs> move to the, what do you mean you don't have any cheddar? It's the best, it's the most popular cheese in all. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, but his father, else, I'm going to move on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I agree, don't know why, or just embrace it and say, fuck it. Uh, but uh, his dad traveled the empire for a short while. He shared a house with P.G. Wodehouse's brother in India. And okay. I, I honestly, I'm not sure. I think I've mentioned. PG in our one of our two of our episodes because I, I've read him, but mm -hmm. 
his Jeeves stories are amazingly hilariously great. Okay. Which he's got more books than that, but the, I I read a one book which was a compilation of his Jeeves stories and it's fa- fucking fantastic. Uh, but his dad was also very much a prankster, although never mean. His my favorite prank I read was when he and some friends launched chickens into the air so they would land in the middle of an orchestra during the symphony. <laughs> well, that might not have been mean for anybody but the chickens, but... <laughs> well, I guess that's true. You know, and that's one of the dog jokes I didn't make. Actually, like, bordered on animal cruelty, and that was the one I didn't want to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Chickens can semi-fly. I'm sure they actually landed without splattering. Yeah, they could... Yeah. You don't clip their wings, they do pretty well. Uh, I know this because my father raised chickens and I had to help clip their damn wings. If they didn't, they could easily pop up over and fly over the eight-foot fence. Yeah. Six-foot, yeah, six-foot fence, bastards. God, they're such feathery, nasty, foul fowls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give a quote here in a second about his dad's view of being a gentleman. And as I read it, I will say I don't always hit the modesty bit very well, but I do love (laughs) how he thinks. uh, I heard you laugh. (laughs) Most others do deserve to be built up. Unless you're you're the most horrible of fucker, but I, you know, I kind of hate everybody. So everybody at least deserves the same thing in my eyes. That's all right. I feel the same way. Naturally. (laughs) But the quote is, or the paragraph is, not only did I never see dad cry again, because he he talks about that, just the previous thing. Mm -hmm. uh, But he says, I never heard him raise his voice in anger, nor utter the word fuck. This is because he was a gentleman in the best sense of the word. Not by breeding, of course, but by acquisition of a way of behaving that was based on a set of values he admires. Those of the English gentleman. And I've, I've got more, but I'll mention that that sounds very Tolkien-ish. I, that is, that's exactly what I, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> he says during his time in the army and after that in India and the Far East, he was able to watch some of the finest of the species and was so impressed by their qualities of courtesy, kindliness, modesty, lightheartedness, courage, honesty, and a constant reluctance to burden others with their problems or difficulties that he tried to model himself on what he observed. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mr. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love all those, except, you know, uh, modesty doesn't fit perfectly well. Yeah. I guess. Uh, but to, to move on with John, please. Uh, they, they really moved around and everything. Uh, but started to get a little better when he was around 13, when he was at St. Peter's, where he was captain of the cricket team and played rugby and was learning to do a lot of things really well at Clifton, which was their secondary school, our, our version of high school. Yeah. At 14 or so, he played Lucifer and Faust and got laughs. And said I can he did see it. that. Yeah. Said he didn't really try acting again until Frankenstein and he got the comedy bug. Frankenstein, huh? Frankenstein. Which role role did he play? Didn't actually say. Just said he didn't try acting, real acting again until Frankenstein. And that's, and and during all these acting things, he got the comedy bug. (laughs) I'm going to guess he played the uh, creature. The the monster. Yeah. Well, well, most people would say the monster, but yes, as, as Jody appropriately pointed out in our episode of the 400th anniversary of Frankenstein. 
200. Uh, but chapel time at Clifton, the high school, is where he got the chapel scene in Brian. So, oh. Yeah, he held on to that from his teenage years and wrote about it much, much later, which we'll get to when we get to The Life of Brian. Cool. Awesome. And he, and here, picked up what it was to be a gentleman from the teachers, especially the reality show Look at Me thing, now, which sounds like one of those issues after three sessions uh, seasons of python uh where the the troop started to be more reality show based than he liked and and we'll get to that in one of these episodes mm-hmm. but during the last year of high school he dressed up as hitler and harangued the audience in german and had a plant in the audience objects and so two friends dressed as stormtroopers would take him away into the tower and they threw a dummy out of it <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> man <laughs> And then said, could you imagine trying to do that today? <laughs> I'm not sure if you could do the Hitler thing, but I bet you could do something. Yeah. Could, depending on your political bent, you could either dress up as AOC or Marjorie Taylor Greene. And like, you know, either one of those would make the other side laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, two people in the audience got brown trousers. And he I'm got to spit big... my rum out. <laughs> it's brown rum (laughs) and and that this was the biggest laugh he got until they did the hollywood bowl (laughs) oh that's funny (laughs) he brought up his love of the goon show during the last of his pre-cambridge time and Mm -hmm. one of the trio was peter sellers who we who mentioned yeah yeah but i I will mention again that the yanks may know more from the original pink panther movies but mostly for jody and i that he was married to Britt eklund of wickerman fame yeah. You know, I don't think I've actually seen any of the Pink Panther movies. I saw the first one. That's I, my understanding is that's really the only one that you need to see. <laughs> maybe. But I did like the Steve Martin remakes too. I, yeah, see, I, I didn't see any. any they just did two, right? Yes, I believe so. Two remakes. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see either, either of the remakes, but I, I it's Steve Martin. I want to. Uh, the first one, like the originals, is excellent. The second one, it's okay. Okay, cool. Uh, I t- took Kate to see it, and, and there's a scene where he's trying to learn how to speak American. <laughs> Man, he's French, and uh-huh. he's trying to pronounce hamburger. Anyway, it's not a spoiler. The movie's 20 years old. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but anyway, he said other than the Goon Show on the radio, it was Americans and their TV shows that really made him laugh, such as Jack Benny, Lucille Bob, Lucille Bob, Lucille Ball, and Bob Newhart. <laughs> ah, there you go. I, I just um, okay. You mentioned Bob Newhart. I, I, take this out. <laughs> no, either. we'll leave it in. So make it good. Make it apropos. Well, no, no, no. I just we just um, we just watched uh, the first of the Librarian movies with um. Uh, yeah what's his name Crap. from er yeah he's the guy from er um and uh i i hadn't seen it before rebecca's uh she's a big fan of those and bob newhart's in it oh cool i like him i've um, not actually seen the movies i watched the uh tv series yeah um yeah we, we she was telling me about the tv series too but i uh yeah I, I hadn't seen i thought i had seen one of the movies but apparently that's not what i had watched <laughs> i don't now i don't remember now i don't know what it was i watched because i thought it was anyway um that that was my little tangent so yeah all right well, 
if we keep it that short, I'm not going to worry about taking it out. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll see. Well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he finished schooling in mm-hmm. 58 and was accepted to Cambridge, but had to wait two years until 1960 due to national service being abolished and a glut of university applications occurring at that time. I actually right. worked out well because then he was able to meet Graham Chapman. <laughs> there you go. So it helps out. Uh, but between Clifton and Cambridge, Cleese went back to St. Peter's to teach, where he realized you must start as an authoritarian and get easier, which is also something I learned in my teaching. Huh. If you start easy, they will take advantage of you. You start as an asshole. They won't like you right away, but you get easier. Then they're like, oh, he's okay. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And he said consistency is key, whether laid back or authoritarian. But the boys at least wanted to know which because switching back and forth was horrible. Anyway, I think I put that in there because of my experiences. Sounds like sounds like a a appropriate place for it. Yeah, I'm gonna just slide this in here. (laughs) (laughs) Put that away. Don't touch us. No, touch me there. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I have a new Q reference. For those who like Broadway puppets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I'm ready to move on to Eric Idle if you are. Sure. By not coincidence, I was born on my birthday. Wait, showing, what? <laughs> showing Idle's quote in his autobiography, the very first lines in there, because he also is hilarious. Yes, yes, he is. And he was born March 29th, 1943, at the Harton Hospital, South Shields County, Durham. Also where his mother was born. Okay. Uh, He says one of his earliest memories was seeing a U.S. bomber shot up and on its way home from Germany crash in flames in the field next to his nursery school. Oh, wow. Hey. Well, this was, yeah, we talked about that whole Mm -hmm. watershed thing in one of our very first episodes and how this was just after World War II. Yeah. And during-ish. Nobody says the pilot was going to do a forced landing but saw kids playing, so instead had to crash it in the field next to there. Ooh. It says, as a quote, I've always liked Americans. They're brave buggers. And so close, Adolf, but no cigar. There you go. And evidently, the pilot, of course, did survive, because otherwise, how would he know that he had to switch where he was landing? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, at least somebody walked, well, I won't say walked away. At least somebody survived it. Yeah. (laughs) And his father did fight in the war, and he said his father made it through the war as a rear gunner and a Wellington bomber. But then was killed wow. while hitchhiking home for Christmas because there weren't enough rides to get all servicemen home. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Es- especially being a gunner on a bomber and you actually make it all the way through the war with that being your job. Because that was the, the gunners, especially I think the uh, the tail gunners and the belly gunners, that was like the worst place to be in the in the plane. There's uh a statistical thing that you'll see sometimes in, in, in books where they, they show how stupid people can be because all the planes that made it back, uh, they, they realized they had a bunch of bullet holes in like the wings and everything. And they're like, well, we have to reinforce the wings and everything without mm-hmm. realizing these are the ones that made it back. The ones that didn't make it back were the ones who got shot right in the main body and where the gunners were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, if you want to see a animated version of what it's like to be a gunner, you should watch heavy metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every time I hear about, uh, I think of two things when I think of, of World War II bombers. I think of the Iron Maiden song "Tail Tail Gunner," 
and I think of uh, that that section of the movie Heavy Metal. <laughs> and I also think of the Bugs Bunny episode Gremlins. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Been a while since I've seen that one, but yeah. What do you know? We ran out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, moving on. His his mother had depression for a while after his father's death, so he lived with his grandparents for a while. Yeah. And not that this person was alive at the time, but here he discovered his great-grandfather was Henry Bertrand, who was a famous ringmaster and circus manager in the 1880s, so being a cir- being in a circus ran in his family. There. <laughs> nice. He went to plays with his grandparents as a kid quite a bit, remembers mm-hmm. a scene from Winter where fake snow fell around 24 naked women while somebody recited a poem. And he said it wasn't illegal as long as they did not move. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, these notes I'm pulling from, like, 300-page autobiographies. I'm giving what I felt was the funniest that people like. Such as the next bit, which was his great-grandfather was the ringmaster and circus manager in the 1880s, 1890s, of Roby's Flying Midgets. So he was the second person in his family to be part of a flying circus. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, and the first time he watched the television was 1953 for Queen Elizabeth II's coronation because he watched it at school. Oh, wow. Which I, uh, I, when I was reading that, it reminded me of when the Challenger exploded and they wheeled a little TV into my classroom my eighth grade year. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I know the generation before us remember where they were when JFK was shot. But yeah. Anyway, just trying to throw a little, little context. Mm-hmm. Context. He joined a folk trio as a young man playing the harmonica, but then got into rock because of Elvis. So many of them did. He loved Elvis, and it helped him get it, get him through all the boys, uh, the school years as a boy, just like Robert Plant said in one of our previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I mentioned somewhere, but if not, here it is again. I started playing guitar because of a forty-five record my brothers had of Jailhouse Rock. He was sneaky and anti-authoritarian at school, which I don't know why I appreciate that, because I was certainly never like that at Sacred Heart or Riverton Park. <laughs> Bullshit! Yeah, you better take a lozenge for that. <laughs> See, and lozenge, such a much better word than cough drop. <laughs> If I would have said cake and cough drop, you'd have been like, <laughs> but I said lozenge. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you meant either way. I just <laughs> Oh, anyway. <laughs> oh, he, he would sneak in Mitchell's and Brothers Old English Stout and Kafer Philly Cheese, eating and drinking while smoking clay pipes at his school. <laughs> <laughs> and later would use this method to sneak in girls from the attached girl school. Ah. And... He mentioned that Wolverhampton, where he went to school, was a horrible fucking place. And my my next note is, hello, Sacred Heart. (laughs) (laughs) But while there, Eric, the idol was in a skiffle group, which we've mentioned with Jimmy Page. Yeah, yeah. Although, idol played the harmonica. And that is what I have on Eric Idol before he goes off to university, which was a previous episode. Okay. So about Michael Palin. Would you like to hear about Michael Palin? I would like to hear about Michael Palin. 
Awesome. Palin and Jones, I don't have as much. I'm going to have to cut down my notes for Gilliam. Okay. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> it's up to you. Well, we could cut it now or I can continue. I'll leave it up to you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Michael Palin was born in Sheffield, May 5th, 1943. And Palin on the Goon Show, who, who we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And this will be very similar to what Jody and I have talked about with Monty Python. Uh-huh. He goes, my parents didn't understand it. I didn't understand it, but it was great. People making silly noises, doing inexplicable things. I loved it for throwing off the shackles of becoming an adult. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, so thank you, Python and Palin and everybody for being... The goons show for us. <laughs> yes. And Palin's dad walked in and asked if something was wrong with the TV set as he's watching it. He goes, it's just the gun show actors making silly noises. He didn't understand it and walked right out. <laughs> <laughs> Which it sounds very much like my father when he walked in on me watching Money Python. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, so I said, context and continuum. And I've already just taken a drink. Oh, I will take a drink as well. All right, cool. And... Uh... Rum. rum. <laughs> Jinx, <laughs> you owe me a rum. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's more context. Harken back to our one of our first episodes. Uh-huh. After the war, adults wanted stability, even to the point of absurdity, which is what turned the youth onto weird things, telling the old people to shove it. Ah. And... This was sort of a conglomerate of different Python quotes at last bit, but Palin's the one who sort of talked about adults wanting stability. Okay. And Palin, as a young man, would imitate the masters of his public school, which would be a private school here in the States. because Yeah. Whatever. And he'd do little shows for his classmates. All right. He would go biking through the moors around Sheffield. I mentioned because of my love of nature, our buddy Sam talked about biking in a previous episode yeah and we have an episode where palin goes biking all over the place from series three. Oh yeah <laughs> he loved train spotting and eric idol wrote the camel spotting sketch because of palin's love of train spotting <laughs> oh that's funny it is and we talked about that in the previous episode yes that's a that's that's a good pretty good sketch yeah i yeah it's 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 yeah. <laughs> Bizarrely hilarious. Yes. And Palin said church was boring, but the missionaries were fun because a missionary in church gripping the side of the pulpit with a hook or whatever brightened up my little life. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I have on Palin. Wow. Okay. And Jones's is even shorter. <laughs> no pun intended, but it's true. Terry Jones is born February 1st, 1942, on the north coast of Wales in the seaside town of Colwyn Bay. Yay! Woo! <laughs> Jones's dad was in the RAF, the Royal Air Force, in South mm-hmm. Africa during the war. Uh, came okay. back after missing pretty much the first four years of his life and kissed his son upon his return, where Jones said he did not care for the mustache, and his mustache still scares him somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jones's maternal grandparents were musical, had theater backgrounds. Mm-hmm. He enjoyed jazz and blues due to his brother's influence and mentions Muddy Waters and Lead Belly specifically. Nice. Yeah, a little harken back to Page and Plant from our Zeppelin episodes. 
Mm -hmm. But he said there was no theater at his high school because only gays were actors. Oh, yeah. That's a a common bunch of BS. A misconception worthy of a fuck you. And Jones said his headmaster said actors were all homosexuals and he could tell because all actors wore green suede shoes. Green suede shoes. Yeah, not blue suede. Green suede. Okay. I mean, I, I don't get it. Sounds that's all that bullshit that adults say when they just want to make shit up because they don't like something. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, Jones's headmaster sounds like he liked to go down on strange men with glory holes and was. Hey, if you're into that kind of thing, I guess you know. It's... Well, we'll go for it, but then don't knock don't, it. Don't, just, yeah, just... don't be a hypocrite about it. Yeah. All right. Ready to move on, Terry Gilliam? Sure. Well, good because I don't have notes on the others anymore. So. Terry Gilliam was born in Minnesota, being the one American python. Yep. November 22nd, 1940, a month after John Lennon, and a half year before fellow Minnesotan Bob Dylan. And it took him a while to realize what his name should be. Wait, is that right? Yeah, I wrote these notes three years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, yeah. He said a pre-war baby, because the jobs had not marked it. Oh shit! Wow, I misspelled that. Said he's a pre-war baby because the Japs had not marked our card at Pearl Harbor yet. Oof. Yeah, yeah. It's, I know we're not supposed to say Japs anymore, but it's it's a direct quote, right? It's, it's a quote. It is a quote. Oh, then yeah. And he said, "Mom was asked to do hair for Kid Cans, uh, which is another name for Isidore Blumenfield, the most notorious Minnesota mobster's wife." She did the hair for Kid Cans. Who was Isildur Bluefield's <laughs> mobster's wife? <laughs> Jesus. Wow, all my other notes were good. I don't know what I fucked up on Gilliam's here. <laughs> have Have you seen his movies? <laughs> you know, that's a very you're, good point. You're right on. You're right. You're right on with that. There you go. <laughs> Stay on target. <laughs> I am. It's Gilliam. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, this this mobster was friends with Al Capone. And his power in Minnesota rivaled that of Capone in Chicago. And I'm going to take a drink for referencing Capone that we talked about in one of our uh, bootlegger episodes. Yes. Yeah. I, I just I took a drink as you were saying that. So said an outdoor. He said they had an outdoor toilet that they called a biffy, which had two holes to delineate them from the poor people who only had one. <laughs> <laughs> he said his likelies. Well, he didn't say likelies, but I added likelies. His father was kind and gentle, though not weak, and his mom was the disciplinarian and controlling one. Very opposite from my family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, grew up in the countryside, but moved close to L.A. as a young man with his family. And he said, on the one hand, I love cities for the architecture and its hot houses of culture and art. And on the other, I hate them as a man-made exercise conspiring to obscure or view of the natural world. Yeah, completely agree with both of those. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I do too. And he, he mentions that he liked Carl Reiner and loved Ernie Kovacs. Okay. And in the future, uh, but he brings it up at this point. Uh, he said he owns, at the time of writing his autobiography, a Steinway Grand Piano, who he bought from Tim Curry. Really? Yep. Who? Bought it in turn from Roger Waters of Pink Floyd. Oh, wow. 
and he brought it up at this point because he said during childhood he he forwent Christmas presents so that after a few years he could get a piano. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and you can't see it, but I've got this little picture of animation by Preston Blair. It shows how to draw, and it's got a picture of a fighting rabbit and a bulldog and a duck with a cane and like this this little thing. Yeah. Um, but Gilliam used it to learn how to draw. Mm-hmm. And I I only mention that because my brother Paul, who's a great artist and has done one of my tattoos, I I remember him having this book. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. He says, I learned everything I know about drawing from this book. He says, talent borrows, cartoonists copy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he says he loved Mad Magazine, especially the Harvey Kurtzman and Willie Elder bits. Yeah, yeah. Lo- loved Disney because of the animation. Yeah. I, I agree with. I went to high school with future sculptor Larry Bell, who was one of the cutouts on Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's album cover. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, evidently, when I made these notes, I decided to go back and cut out a lot because I know I had more than this. So my last note that I thought would be pertinent, <laughs> <laughs> but I had a shit ton. Although uh, maybe those notes were the ones that we've already talked about. Could be. But he said in the 50s America... On one hand, it was awesome American graffiti, you know, referencing the George Lucas movie. Uh-huh. And on the other hand, there was the KKK. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's what I got. Cool. That is their childhood that I thought would be funny, pertinent, and contextual relating back to other episodes. Don't stress, my notes of leading up between series three and four are much, 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 much shorter Probably a 15-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> but that is what I have. Oh, uh, of course, because our episode of Monty Python and Douglas Adams has already come out, yeah. those have been removed, which is why the next episode will be short. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to follow us, share us, rate us, share us with your friends. I'm James. I'm Jody. We will something different at you later. <laughs> Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Yeah, I'm going to pee real quick. Okay. Go ahead. Thank you. Oh, wait. Sorry. This isn't dirty, rotten scoundrels. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. You'll go blind. (laughs) (laughs) What? Who said that? (laughs) Okay. You'll know what it is. You'll you'll figure it out right away. It's one simple word. <laughs> See, you already know. <laughs> oh, sorry. I need a lozenge now too. Huh? You can you can take that out. <laughs> Go back and listen to that, you fuckers. Yeah. I'm 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 done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that didn't last long. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Ah!